feel a good blood. Live blood dripped on wrappers. Made resonate freehand filigrees on plain wrappers. They turned patterns. Blood spilled. Blood contacted while running. Blood dashed on you while fleeing head cutting scene. Blood you got from falling over a gently massacred body. Blood of the young one you had to cast out the road to allow your bloody wrapper some free rein to run. If you leave, hide the wrappers. Do not wash the tan. Put it under the metal rusty clothes box you inherited. Show them, but do not tell your children, that in those days clothes were made from live bloods. Just say these clothes are priceless, the worth of a ten men or so lives, and that in those days only the rich and wise and highly chanced can afford such dresses and be alive. Stand up, go from there and send no further questions. Why must they know that ours had been a bloody existence, and that he who defecates must forget? But the hands and eyes that had witnessed and packed that shit never forget the gory side. This is the fourth episode. I am Yemi Siojo, and this is all our lives. Voices of the unheard. Stories untold, the blamed, the affected, not your everyday celebrities. This is all our lives. The culture here demands that when you are mourning, mourning your husband, even the one that died in an IDP camp, you wear white. So blessing Yehuna was on a white booba when I met her for this interview. The kind of white that you can see written boldly, tiredness and sorrow. No sparks, just sad and dirty. But white anyway. She's a young woman who is not even probably in her 30s yet, or a little above 30, but a widow nevertheless, with five children. And for a woman who speaks only thief, but really wants to tell her story, how could I deny her that? For me now, I know there is a kind of purging of emotions, no matter how sad your story is, in knowing that someone is listening. For those fleet moments, in sharing your hearts, you, how be it bad, the experiences, you feel part of it, of the fact that you are a survivor, whether by chance, by measure luck, or by grace. You just know you are a damn lucky survivor. And if possible, all the world should just come take survival lessons from you. Her name is Blessing Yehuna Ajava, and here is her story. Blessing, 
She said her name is Blessing Yohana Java, and she is a farmer. She has five children, three girls, and two boys. That her husband died while in the camp here because he was quite very disturbed about the whole thing and started having high blood pressures because he was always thinking. Then one day he had a heart attack and he died right here at the camp. But she said she'd like to start the story from the very beginning. They they were home that day and had gone short and immediately rushed out to the road to see if they could if they could find a bus or a car or anything that could pack their things and they could run away. But before she could get home, six of the headsmen were already there. So the headsmen heard them that is her and her husband, her son and one of her siblings and the driver. By then, she was six months pregnant. Okay, so the headman asked them why they were there, and they said they had come to get their things. So one of the headsmen attempted shooting her, and she slumped. Immediately, they heard another gunshot somewhere and the headsmen ran away, leaving them. But not too long, another set of headsmen came, snatched her phone, and threatened to stab the driver, except he gave them some money. So the driver insisted he didn't have anything on him, but that was when they heard another gunshot from a different direction, and the headsmen once again ran away. This time, they too were able to escape. That is, her family. Though they thought the driver had been stabbed, so they left the driver behind. <laughs> 
But he was able to escape to they tried to shut his car down but somehow he was able to drive through unharmed. hospital <laughs> She said while she was running, she fell, but saw a back man who had pity on her and helped her took her to a safe place where she was taken to a hospital, after which she was finally brought to the IDP camp at Daudu. She was later taken to a teaching hospital after some months, where she was operated on and delivered of a baby boy. Later, they heard that the situation is a bit calm at the village, and the stepson decided to go back to check. But then again, he never came back. He was attacked and killed. As for her kids, some of her kids are now married here, now to some of the villages. And that it was the death of the stepson and all of these things that made the husband become really disturbed and finally led to his death. Right now, they're only surviving on the mercy of the government and individual donations. On days when that doesn't happen, they can only remain hopeful. It will have been difficult staying here. <laughs> About the husband that he was buried somewhere near the camp, there was really no funeral rites because there was no money for such. They just got a little coffee and um, 
put him there and bury him somewhere near the camp. She is presently troubled and is beginning to have high blood pressure because of these days. Her child couldn't write his junior WIAC exams. Sometimes she thinks of how she will feed her five children, but even when the government provides the food, who provides the other things? Who provides the education? These things bother her. <laughs> Presently, one of the child is helping the farmers here to farm so they can give her some food to bring for the family. And one of her daughters is also married to one of the farmers there. And for now, she's presently doing nothing. Except to be on her white booba, wanting her death husband. So, you do not have to see war before you know it exists. All you have to do is stand up from your home and one day and take a walk, maybe to a nearby IDP. The statistics say that about 680,000 displaced people are in Nigeria and about 482,290 of them in Benue State with over 28 IDPs, both official and unofficial. I will always say that most of these statistics are from the government and NGOs. They don't hype the figures. They rather underrate it. So I would say that, again, while you are surprised that there is such a huge number, it also means that there are more. Yes, and I did saw the little baby that she was carrying when the war started. A lovely little homeless kid running happily after the mom. And that is all for this episode of All Our Lives. I am your Monsieur Joe. And this is all alive. Special thanks to the co-producer of this episode, Blessed Jerome, and um, the chief transcript by HC Kashimana Daniela. Thank you. 
And um, the last two episodes we about the war child, we brought you the story of Stephen who couldn't go for his admission because that was when the war started out and he's presently at the IDP. It's a good news that he's already been gotten a job for and um, he would start working soon. We can only hope that very soon someone else will come to his aid to sponsor his education. For now, we'll stop here once again. Thank you and do have a lovely day. This is all our lives.